So you're listening to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the APEC region. I am Danielle, Senior Consultant in Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today, I am your host. Welcome to this episode of the podcast where we're discussing the topic of how to level up as a product manager. Today, we have a stellar lineup of questions that will unveil the secrets of becoming a better product manager. I'm absolutely thrilled to have two seasoned product leaders with me today, Isaac Tay from ShopVet and Protik Wachaudhuri from Intellect, both VP of Products. So to start with, it will be great to get each of you to briefly introduce yourself. Maybe you can start with Protik. Okay. Um, hey, th- thanks for having me here. Um, super excited to talk to you, Daniel and Isaac. Uh, we've, had, we've had quite a few conversations before this. And I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. Um, as you said, currently I lead uh, product design and analytics at Intellect. Intellect is a mental health startup here in Southeast Asia. Our aim is to become, let's say, the globally the best mental health ecosystem provider uh, there can be. Uh, previous to Intellect, I worked at Grab for a few years on their consumer experience team. Before Grab, I did a few startups of my own, worked at a bunch of different startups, mostly across B2C, B2B and logistics. So yeah, you could say I've seen I've seen small companies, big companies and everything in between. Okay, yeah, thanks for that, Protik. And Isaac? Uh, hi everyone, uh, my name is Isaac. I am the VP of product at Shopback. Shopback is an online and offline rewards platform that help our users find the best deals and earn cashback when they shop from the merchants that we work with. Uh, you know, we are primarily a cost per sale model and, you know, we help our merchants drive customers, orders and average order value. We are now in 11 markets. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Thanks for the introduction and great to have you guys on this episode. So to kick these things off, I think we need to understand, of course, you know, what the expectations of a product manager is. I know both of you guys have been in big companies and as well as small companies. So the first question is, you know, what to expect as a product manager, you know, big company and smaller company. Mm. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question. Right? <laughs> um, the thing with uh, product management, I like to say is, I mean, if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see a lot of people talk about what a good PM is, uh, how to set up for a PM role. There's so many podcasts, books, a lot of things about, we're, we're speaking about it, right? Yeah. Uh, Realistically, I feel that the role of a PM is sort of very different in every company you go to and the company's size, culture and the people within tend to define what a PM that does and doesn't do. Just wanted to give that caveat before we discuss. I don't know, Isaac, what you feel about it, but I think it's important to understand that before we speak about what what is core to a PM. Because something that sets you up for success at one company might not set you up for success at another. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think when I think about product management, I think of it a little bit like cooking, mm. right? So at the end result, you know whether it's a it's a good dish, right? Whether it's a home-cooked meal by your mom or, you know, a Michelin-star restaurant. Like when you eat it, you know, this, this is a good meal and everything else. But what does it take to be a good chef? Right. It depends on the ingredients, it depends on the context. At the end of the day, the product is the same, it's, it's, it's a good meal. But what does it take to be a good chef? 
different uh, environments, different scenarios. I, like Protex, it really depends on the company when it comes to product management. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's important for the food to be good. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's important for the product to be good. As, yeah. you, you also know, right? Like, whether it's a B2B, B2C, yeah. you know uh, this is a good product. But what it takes to get that mm-hmm. is different, right? Um, actually, within that, I think uh, I was actually putting some thought into this yesterday and I I feel the question was around big versus small, right? Yeah. Um, as someone who's been through different sizes of companies and made my fair share of mistakes, uh, it's for anyone starting off in a PM role, the first thing you need to know is it's okay to make mistakes um, as long as you learn from it. Now, within that, the question is, there is there's this level of self-realization that everyone needs to have, which is, are you more comfortable as an owner or are you more comfortable as a renter? Now, this is a small distinction and there's nothing wrong with either, by the way. Uh, this is a small distinction that I think separates people who thrive at a big company to people who thrive at a smaller company. In a bigger company, you have a lot of processes, teams, a lot of structure around you that allows you to learn slowly while sharpening some of the skills that you need to thrive within that company. In a smaller company, you might not have the processes, you might not have the teams, you might have a lot more things that you're doing that are not defined at all. And that's where the mentality becomes very important. It's just something that you you are either comfortable with or you're not comfortable with. So so that being said, right, is it as a, as a, someone going new into product management, do you is there like a preferred or recommended should you start at an MNC and then or start at a big company and then go into a startup or Well I think to your point it, it really depends on your personality. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah, so it depends on your I mean character, personality, and it also depends on your background, right? If we assume that you're going in uh, you know, at working age, right? Let's assume yeah. 18. You have 18 years before that of past experiences that have shaped you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so you have a preference uh, for a certain way of doing things and you might also thrive in a certain yeah. kind of environment. So I, I I don't think there is a, okay, you know, the best way to start your product management career is to go to a MNC or a big company or a small company. It is in which environment do you thrive in? And, and is that the environment that you want to thrive in? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Um, knowing knowing who you are and what you're comfortable with, but again, like I said, you you've got to fail sometimes to figure out whether you are in the right place or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to your question of where should we start, um, what to expect, or what to expect, I would I would suggest if we know what we are comfortable with, if we are okay with a certain level of ambiguity, a certain level of uncertainty, right? Then a startup is a great place to learn because where else would you at an early age have the ability to take up big things and potentially make big mistakes or have even bigger rewards and even bigger returns, right? as a as a fresh grad, if you're getting into the PM role, you go to a bigger company, you will probably be given a really small feature, which is probably well-defined. And what you have to do is basically 
take that definition write a few user stories figure out how to work with design figure out how to work with tech uh, figure out how to run a sprint and then just do a release and then figure out how to look at the metrics right um, but when you go into a startup you probably will be given a lot more than that to chew off so of course you don't have the structure where you probably maybe you don't have a designer or maybe your designer is also just out of college and is still is figuring in their <laughs> their stuff out right yeah. um you don't have fixed structures or support systems mm-hmm. um and it's just a high risk high reward thing i think mm-hmm. um sometimes you'll find people who really thrive in that role and they like taking up a challenge they like taking up that opportunity of course as our job is to ensure that they have the op- they have the freedom to fail right um but as long as you have that you know core ownership within you i think uh, startups offer a lot more accelerated learning and growth maybe it's about what you want out of life talking about the the structures part you know mm-hmm. one of the things so i've never worked in a a, a big company um or mnc what i've noticed though is that you're right um at least from the folks that that come from those and that have interacted with they they have learned uh the the right way to do things mm-hmm. and and i'm going to put it in quotes because yeah. i think sometimes the right way to do things is also contextual uh, and i think sometimes when we learn the right way to do things uh we don't fully understand why that is the right way right so why do you do backward grooming or why do you have uh, retros and and we we don't understand why those things were put in place so it becomes a routine it becomes something that you do just because you have to do it and, and someone says that you have to do it i think what happens is when you first you know start as a startup and then you you or a smaller company you do a lot of things and then you start realizing hey i have certain problems that i need to solve maybe i need to um, improve communication or i need to improve coordination then you maybe you go out and start learning how have yeah. other people solved those problems yeah and then you realize that in your context maybe it's too heavy to run the full sprint process, mm-hmm. process right because it's or maybe it's just the right amount of process so when we learn things what however we learn i i do think it's important that you don't just you know copy and paste yeah. from one organization yeah. to another especially the transitioning between a big and small company and things because you got to understand why something was put in place and whether it's still relevant for your uh situation one of the things i notice is that uh, when you learn the right way to do things but you don't think about why that is the right way then it becomes things that you just do that actually slows you down yeah. right and so um talking about like even if you were to enter in uh, a bigger organization first and you learn stuff once you make the transition to a even to a different bigger organization you got to you know you got to adapt what yeah. you have learned yeah. yeah yeah that that makes that makes so much sense i think one of the things that really when i look back on my career the one of the things that i was really blessed to have was um managers who supported me and you know ensuring like while i figure out what these structures are and whether it's needed or how to navigate around them um that i always keep my eye on the prize which is 
essentially that's oh, getting into a deeper discussion here i think um, but uh, basically uh, ensuring that you're executing well and executing on the right things right um, and not not be afraid to make a couple of mistakes along the way right, right? Okay. but yeah i think you're right on the the structure actually even in a big company i've seen sometimes processes change every 6 or 9 months anyway because even the company is evolving yep. new people come in the company is learning so i think yeah everything's in an evolving state you're yeah. right we yeah. it's more about understanding what a structure is supposed to do yeah okay So I mean I think you guys also cover kind of a little bit of the second question right which how to set yourself up for success in a new environment. Mm. Um I mean is it just the soft skills of being adjustable, adaptable or being open-minded? It, so uh this is a, this is a conversation I've actually very recently had uh, with uh, someone the it's 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 it 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 could get a little philosophical <laughs> but essentially the role of a PM is such that you can never on your own get a lot of things done you need a designer you need your analyst you need your tech teams you need your pmm you need your business owner right even if it's not within those exact role definitions you still need someone doing all of this right so as the pm you're just you're always working with teams of individuals right and the only thing you can't control or rather the only thing you can control is what you bring to the table so if you imagine life as a spectrum right you're a pm you might have the insane luck of being in a team where everyone else is super independent super organized and bringing a 100% to the table in a team like that sometimes the pms redundant right <laughs> the pm has the pm has time to think about the bigger stuff more strategic less right. tactical right um well, not redundant but you know what i mean uh and sometimes you are unlucky enough to be put in a team where no one has the independence the ownership or is bringing anything to the table you know so it almost sounds like what you're saying is that As a product manager, don't complain when the people you work with are hard to work with because the only reason why you have a job is because they were easy to work with. They were super American. Why do I need you? Right? It's almost like you're saying that. I mean, you could put it that way, right? But the the point being that you'll never be at the ends of the spectrum. You'll just be somewhere along the spectrum, right? So as a PM. the most successful pms in a, at least in a smaller company know how to operate at each point in that spectrum you get put into a team where you feel you've got to take up a little more work on one of the other areas you just bring people along if you get on a team where you see that the team is doing really well you take a step back but either way you know what needs to be done at each end of the spectrum what sometimes i find from people who are transitioning from a bigger company to a smaller company is like you said right they've had the process if they don't understand why the process exists then these pms can only function well in that end of the spectrum where they've worked with a certain level of a designer 
or worked with a certain level of a tech team yeah. or worked with a certain level of an architect yeah. Yeah. right and the moment that level changes they have that adjustment issue right. so i think uh, yeah to set yourself up for success as a pm in a small company i wouldn't speak to a larger company in a small company you need to be um, you need to be comfortable at every point in that spectrum from where you are 100% hands on to on everything from like the smallest design decisions to the largest strategic decisions to the other end of the spectrum where your team is so great that you you don't need to worry about how the design is being executed how the tech is being done and you can just talk to users all day it, it's so interesting um, that the the title the, the functional title is product manager but what you're really saying is that they actually very much a people manager and and, yeah. <laughs> and if you think about being a, a people manager you know you got to decide when's the right time to direct or delegate or coach or mm. support right and yeah. this that's what you're alluding to yeah. Interesting enough, I think this gets manifested in one way when you write Jira tickets, right? Because, yeah. you know, there's this argument about what is the right way to yeah. write Jira tickets, right? And then there's like, there must be a structure to write it, right? Mm. But for some folks that you work with, being too detailed and too precise, yeah. uh, and like going down to the granularity of what the solution should be, mm -hmm. the person will be like, why are you so prescriptive, right? Yeah. Can't you just give me the problem? I, I know how yeah, to solve it. Yeah. But there's some folks will be like, I think you're not clear enough, can you? <laughs> and then by the time you write out the whole Jira ticket, you realize, you know what? Actually, I, maybe I should have just designed this or, 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 or right. coded out. So even that, you know, alludes to your point, right? Like, it really yeah, depends who you're working with. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as a PM, the one thing you need, we need to stop doing is complain about anything. Just because I think, and this is just me, right? I think, we are lucky to be in a job where we can be creative and add value. Right. Like, not many jobs like that, right? Where you say, ah, there's a, there's, a, there's a user problem somewhere. Now, I can think of 20 ways of solving the user problem. But of course, there's probably 19 of them are not the right way around <laughs> it, right? But what other job allows you to have the creativity and also impact the lives? It's so yeah, generally as long as you get to build cool stuff and take it to market, I think a good PM should just be like really happy all across the spectrum, whether they're doing like really minute work as well, or whether they're only doing big strategic user level work. So flip the question around, you ask like uh, what it takes to succeed when you move into a new company or whether move from small to big, big to small, big to big, small to small. And I think we we're trying to share what uh, what you should do. Maybe we flip it around since you say don't complain. What should you not do when you? Right, so firstly, don't complain. Don't complain. Don't complain. Don't complain. Understand. Understand and be adaptable. So that's something you should do. What? Yeah. What should, should you not, not do? do? Hmm. Be be stuck in your ways, right? Um, every user is different. Again, I think I go back to another thing. Uh, someone had told me once. Uh, sometimes as PMs we get too over reliant on data right. right but we've got to realize that every data point is an actual person who has a problem right so you can't just say that that's an outlier and I am solving for 80% right. there's 20% people out there in the real world trying to get something done right, right? Uh, so it's and 
that's different for every company every feature every process every team right so i think adaptability super important understanding super important uh just the nature of our jobs is such that we are solving problems and you can't solve problems if you are like really strict right at least i feel i feel it's difficult to solve problems if you are like set in your ways i feel like the, the example that you just gave it's it, it's a more more relevant or it makes a lot more sense because of the company that you're from mm-hmm. right like to to take it to the extreme basically mm-hmm. if we were like oh this is not like basically you you might be saying and i'm not saying that that's yeah. what your company is saying it's like that 1% of people with issues that mm-hmm. we can't seem to handle they don't matter right and i think because of your company sure that there has a certain lens but I, i wonder whether in other companies mm-hmm. where it's you know it's not about the mental sure. well-being of an individual mm-hmm. whether the calculus is a little bit more cold that's fair i mean one thing that comes to mind is let's say your transportation app no but if you grab for example right <laughs> you if your if your app can load in under a second for 99% of cases right there's still that 1% of cases where there's a person on the road trying to book a cab but they can't because your app is not loading and this might be at night they yeah. might be in an area of a city that's not good to be at night yeah. right so i mean sure there can be places where uh, maybe that outlier is not that critical but generally i feel just being just understanding the fact that every data point is a user in need or a user who has a problem allows you to build that empathy build that adaptability right. and build that understanding right. and that then goes into your teams it goes into your work it goes into your decisions and it just flows right Yeah. It's like saying don't 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 test your app with the latest iPhone in 4G connection <laughs> and say like yeah, I don't see a problem with my app. Right? Uh, it's a, it's actually very true because uh, we we do know that a lot of a lot of Southeast Asia or Asian countries are heavy on uh, lower Android phones. Right, right. Right. So one of the one of the things I love to ask people is. um in your company how many designers have iphones right. and how many have android phones actually because yeah that's that's a really great point and you know i mean maybe we're going back about why it takes to succeed in product management and everything else i think diversity of experiences is very important mm. and i think one of the things where maybe fortunately or unfortunately you know singapore has become like at least a hub for the region mm. and so you know the designers are here the product managers are here the engineers are here but You know, if we really want to be a, a meaningful company or a significant company, you gotta expand our Singapore. And if the team that you have built does not have the diversity of experience, it, even as something as simple of how many is using the latest iPhone mm-hmm. or Android, then how do you really build uh, some a product that can meaningfully solve for for folks? Because you can't even deliver the product to yeah. them, right? If you're not thinking about what your end users are, are using, yeah. So diversity of experience is very important. And at the individual level, I think what makes, what will set you up for being a good product manager is to have diversity of experience. Mm. So it's not just within the team, but yeah. within the individual. 
right? You know, don't just be a designer. Don't just be an engineer. Don't just only go to tier one cities mm-hmm. and, and have four days, right? So have that diversity of experience. With your with your company, I'm very curious to know because it's a lot more scale at B two C, right? Do you have like any interesting stories from a from a user research session or a Oh. Or a, or a, you know, or a user that you spoke to or saw and, you know, uh, was, you find a problem that you didn't think of. I, I won't talk about my my current company. Sure. I'll talk about the uh, the other company that I must say is way smaller than my current company. Yeah. Just to well, clarify, another. I have made mistakes. So, and and I think it's okay to share because, uh, I mean, the company is not an mm-hmm. ongoing concern. We. We started out with the premise that you know we wanted to try to figure out how to create economic opportunities for um, blue collar workers, mm-hmm. right? So the 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 central thesis at that time is that folks like yourself and myself, we have LinkedIn to find the best economic opportunities. But how would blue collar workers, and in Singapore that would mean you know your your gig workers, the folks that work, uh, you know, have better economic opportunities, and so. It's one of the reasons why the name is Honest BA, and obviously it turned out to be maybe slightly ironic, but um, there wasn't mention of grocery or anything, right? It's about hardworking people, you know, doing gig work, and it started with grocery delivery. Now, it's it's on Wikipedia. There was some controversy about um, salaries, and you know, the idea basically is that. Um, how do we make sure that we keep time uh, properly for the bees who are working mm-hmm. and we make sure that they get paid on time sure. right so even if the amount was like $15 or $10 if that was their salary mm-hmm. they should be paid the correct salary that was something that I think um, as a team early on it wasn't consistently uh, believed that this was non-negotiable, mm. right? I think the bad press uh, became an impetus to fix it. But I really wonder whether, you know, earlier on, if we had a more diversified group of individuals building this, mm. right? Because your tech workers, you know, like, yeah. all highly paid, right? All, mm. all working in the office, good salaries. So then, in the way, what we tried to do was to create the empathy, it was like, Okay, don't talk about the quantum, but imagine if we didn't pay your salary on time, mm. you will flip out, right? What more the well, the gig workers, uh, where you know maybe that amount matters a lot more, right? Mm. Even though it seems smaller, so we had to try to figure out how to create that level of empathy and educate our guys that this was something that was that was important. Eventually, we we sorted it out. Um, I would like to think that it wasn't something that was sorted out just because of the bad press that we got and it was a commercial decision I like to think that it was because as a team at that time we truly believed that if the genesis of our company was to create better economic opportunities for gig workers then the most basic thing is to pay salary accurately on time right? it's like like P0 right it's it's like I don't even need to explain it to you so I think eventually we we sorted it out Um, but I would have liked to not even have to sort it out, right? And I think if we had maybe a bit more folks with diverse experience mm. from the start, uh, this would have been something that would be so glaringly obvious that you you got to sort this out. 
I think one of the um, one of the uh, product managers that I'm currently working with, uh, I worked with her uh, in the last company as well. And the reason why I think we've become very close and you know we both at least I I have like you know a lot of trust in her is because what happened was um, sorry I'm rambling a bit but but what happened was um, one of our engineers designers actually knew one of the gig workers and privately as friends and so she messaged him and said like hey do you know there's been some discrepancies with some of my uh, colleagues and then he escalated it to me and together um, uh, this PM and myself uh, but more her she spent the whole night you know like didn't go home or anything else just to trace like down to the set what everyone should got and then we you know, we proactively uh, uh, suffered, uh, and, and then mm-hmm. so that's like, so what makes a good product manager, right? Really understanding that there are real people behind that, and not resting until you solve that problem, yeah. right? And so that's why she has like my trust to this mm-hmm. day about anything because she didn't sleep, like she was like down to the scent, and she was, and she was very accurate. And then from then on, I think we we sorted it out. So yeah. Um, I don't know what the question was. I now I've totally forgotten the question. Because. <laughs> What, what what makes a good product manager, right? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. so basically we've basically covered all the yeah. questions in our discussions. So I don't need to ask anything. The, ask, the question after that was more of what differentiates a good PM from a great PM, mm. which is what you're saying, right? Diversity of experience mm. and also adaptability, you know, <laughs> and yeah. then being able to lead people. I think um, we've, we've, we've spoken a lot about what a smaller company does. So I just want to shout out Grab as well because Grab is quite big. Um, one thing that Grab made me do the week I joined, like the month I joined Grab, was uh, they flew me to Indonesia and I delivered food for a day with a driver. Right? So you start the day at their house, they get ready, they take their bag, and then you sit with them and go deliver food. And I think that, that again, it's, it's something that a big company can allow you to do because in a smaller company there's always so much we're always short on people right and short on time and there's so much things that we've got to prioritize on work 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 uh, where sometimes in a bigger company you do get these opportunities to continue reinforce yeah. right reinforcing that yeah this is this is important yeah. like what you're building is an actual person yeah. who's using this so you understand these problems you understand oh wait a three minute wait doesn't seem a lot when you're uh, ordering food yeah. but if I'm at the restaurant yeah. and there's 50 other people yeah. trying to pick up food yeah. a three minute wait before I get the order yeah. is a lifetime for me yeah. that's the difference between lunch break and no lunch break right so it's, it's, yeah, I think uh, there's something to call out there as well because in a bigger company, you do get the time, the resources and the structure to do structure, in, to, to, you know, speak to come, speak, spend like a day, weeks with users, just understanding them, which is something you might not get at a smaller company. Yeah. I, I wonder whether, I wonder whether this is something that, you know, whether you're big or small, it shouldn't be an excuse whether you can do it or not. Oh yeah, definitely. Right, right? Yeah. I, I, I do think that, you know, at all levels, the experience that you had, I think it's a lot meaningful. 
I think that's one of the reasons why I suspect, and this is just a suspicion, people prefer to be B2C product managers and they like to be product managers that work on what the consumer sees because they say, I'm a consumer and so it's so easy to understand, right? I don't have to do this sure. part. Uh, because it is actually uh, a different, mm. it can be uncomfortable okay. and it's a different type of muscle. But mm. I think, again, it goes back to an earlier point, which is it's a di diversity of experience, okay. right? Yeah. How do you build tools for drivers, mm. or, or in this case, delivery folks, mm. if you haven't experienced it yourself? Yeah. You can't sit and look at a dashboard and go, okay, this, yeah. right, three minutes, let's bring it down to two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes, like you said, in the office, very different yeah. from... Two minutes, I'll tell you yeah, on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, think about how I felt so upset when they changed the five minute wait time to three minutes <laughs> and I was like getting charged for three minutes and now it makes sense right because every ride you're late for five minutes they waste a lot of time yeah, yeah. but I think yeah as a PM have you I have a question have you ever seen a high performing PM who wasn't driven by a need to solve a problem a high performing PM who wasn't what will such a high performing PM be driven by that? there's a that's, it's a good question because I was just trying to figure out it could be around okay when I say the need to solve a problem I mean the need to solve a big enough user slash business problem um, instead of you know um, you could have people motivated by other stuff right. um, instead of you know just having something that you build go out there and have a huge have a huge okay. impact okay I've seen product managers climb up their career ladder mm. without being obsessed with yeah. solving a problem yeah. right? so I've seen that but if you're saying have I ever seen a high performing product manager uh, you know mm. who has never been obsessed with that the answer is no but your, your question is a little bit of a loaded question because that's, that's true because yeah. because being obsessed is, is the high performing part right because eventually when you that solve it true. right so it feels a bit loaded that is true that is yeah. true that is true um, maybe maybe the question is uh, what is it what's the common trait is it the like insane yeah. curiosity I think curiosity is, it, is one. Is it the need to solve a problem? Hmm. Right. Uh, just, yeah. Because there's there's a common thread, like first principles, right? Given, if you write a Gherkin statement, <laughs> given you're a PM, <laughs> when you have immense curiosity, <laughs> then you'll be solving the right problems. Uh, just wondering if there's a... If you've seen in your career a uh, common thread? Well, I'll say this. Without... I, I, they don't always choose the same problems. Sure. Um, I think different people get interested in yeah. different types of problems. But you're right. I don't think I've ever seen a high-performing PM, once they have latched onto a problem, uh, not be driven and consumed by the need mm. to solve it. I, I, yeah. I, Having said that, being consumed and driven by a need to solve a problem does not make you a high performing player. Oh, that's Because you may not have the skills or yeah. whatever to solve it. But I, I think I've never seen a high performing PM mm. uh, not be consumed by, by one thing. Yeah. The, 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 then that's where, you know, what it takes to be a good 
product manager or a great product manager really comes down to choosing the right problem. Mm. And I think that's where uh, product management leadership comes in, which is mm. that you help your team members who, you know, by virtue of them having the potential to be high performing PM, is you got to help them choose the right problems. Because what's going to happen is that they're going to, if they choose the wrong problem, they're going to be so consumed by it, they'll solve it. Yeah. And within the problem space, yes, they're high performing PM, but it's not impactful. Mm. Right? And so maybe you know, the company doesn't benefit from yeah. it, the users don't benefit from it, their career doesn't benefit yeah. from it. So product leadership then is to help folks choose the right problem and then everything else, you know, their own personality, their own character, just mm. pushes yeah. things forward. Yeah. Okay, and just now you mentioned skills, right? And I think like, we spoke a lot about soft skills, or, you know, like the mindset and the way you are as a PM, but what about hard skills? Because I mean, like, I think I work as a recruiter, right? There's a lot of people that I see, you know, they, they want to be a product manager. Only recently we had a product manager course come up recently, right? Mm-hmm. Before that, no one studied product management. I don't know a mm-hmm. single person that went to school to study product management. So everyone asks me, like, then I want to move into a PM. I'm currently doing real estate. Like, what do I need to pick up in terms of skill set to be a good PM or to start as a PM or even be considered to be a PM? And so, I am not the person to tell you that. I can tell you what everyone else has. But like, as, because I'm not a PM, I would never know what you actually need, right? So let's take that scenario where someone's in a real estate agent and she's like, then I'm really interested in product management. I read all about it, heard podcasts. How do I make that transition and what do I need to pick up? Mm. What advice do you guys have on that? You want to have a gander at it first? Uh, I, mean, I, I, I think, again, right, um, the, 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 the functional skills that you need, I, I think one which is non-negotiable for all product managers is project management. Mm. You, you got to be strong at project management. You got to be able to think about what the resources you need to, to complete the project, what are the dependencies, how you communicate with the different stakeholders, which is not exactly always a soft skill. There are some hard yeah. skills there as well, right? You know what I mean? So being able to do project management is like fundamental. And I think it's one of the reasons why when you start out your, your career, whether in a big or small, mm-hmm. being able to deliver the right solution at the right time is super key, right? And I think that's one of the first things you, you learn. After that, the different types of functional skills really mm-hmm. depends in the space that you're playing in and your inclination to play in that space. And I, I, I think there's a few, I put it in a few markets. One is um, operations. Uh, marketing, BD, sales, uh, design, data analysts, and engineering, uh, or being more technical. So it really depends on the space that you're going to play in. Then you got to be strong in that functional uh, skill set. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agreed. Again, I go back to that to that spectrum analogy, right? Project management is just getting 20 people aligned on the same deliverable to get the same deliverable done within the right amount of time right so yeah project management is super important at least having a handle on what's happening at any point in time right um, the 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 functional part of uh, the different types of pms that you spoke about super important like a growth pm or like a platform pm that you said engineering right or yeah a data um those are those are things I think I would ask your real estate friend to talk think about later mm-hmm. because uh, you've got to cut your teeth in some stuff before you realize what works for you 
Now, okay, if I'm looking for a data PM or a platform PM, I'd probably looking probably be looking for some sort of engineering background or some sort of core skills and maybe a Python or mm-hmm. you know just basic past work on data. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, I I don't I don't think there's any harder soft skills. Actually, uh, again, one of my previous managers, uh, shout out to Fabian, who's in Lineman right now. Um, he used to say that. Um, he used to say that the it's again variety, right? You need you need all types to make make up a team, mm-hmm. and a good team of high functional people just come from different backgrounds. There's no reason to say someone who's worked in real estate throughout their life will not be bringing a different perspective to a solution. And as long as your friend in real estate knows how to spot a solution and how to get it done, right? Everything else is learnable, teachable. Mm-hmm. So if you have the attitude and you know you want to become better, I think the product management is the one one uh, role except for engineering slash uh, data api actually you could even grow into that or a growth pm but yeah generally uh, a designer or a or a consumer facing pm or a normal b2b logistics pms uh, yeah you could you could come from any background yeah i think i think what i see there is a kind of a problem now is that like you, we did talk about this before on our last conversation where you said like smaller companies don't have the, the resources to mm-hmm. handhold and train you, right? Whereas we have MNCs who bring in interns, right? Which is like such a limited amount of people and yeah. then slowly train them to be there. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the right direction for someone like that or someone in a whole different vocation to just go into an MNC and start as mm-hmm. an intern or is it someone to go into being a BA and be like, okay, I hope maybe... I can have some transferable skills into a PM because I know that like product management internships are very limited, right? And that and I do advise people mm. to go into that, but really, like realistically, yeah, is there's not enough for everyone, right? And like they always struggle to find a way in, right? And that's that's the issue here. I mean, you can have the best attitude, like your CV, best attitude. Mm. No one's gonna be like, okay, this girl's gonna be a PM, sure. right? So that that's one of the more advice that I mm. I can't give myself because I don't like, I I don't ever get people from a whole different, um, I guess, mm-hmm. junior people to move into yeah. a PM role, right? And I think that's what people are struggling to understand. A lot of questions that I get from more junior guys are like, mm-hmm. look, how will I get a job as a product manager without having a product manager experience? Do I start off as a, like a data analytics intern, which is a lot more, mm-hmm. there's a lot more options sure. there. Or do I start off as a you know, software engineer, mm-hmm. learn a bit of computer engineering, and then yeah. hopefully with my, you know, interview skills I might get a PM role you know it, 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 question makes sense yeah it, it does it does yeah I mean the way I think about it right is that and going back to your first point and even the, the question you asked have I ever seen a high performing PM that's not obsessed about a problem yeah. I, I think if there's a JD that's great but I do think that a lot of the JDs tend to be very cookie cutter and doesn't generic, yeah. very generic right uh, I, I do think that if you can get a sense of what the problem space is and the problem that the company needs to solve insofar as it regards to having a product manager mm-hmm. solve it, then you ask yourself whether you have the skill sets 
to, to solve it, right? And so mm-hmm. I think maybe the, the question should be flipped around instead of saying, you know, uh, what does it take to succeed in a product manager or how do I become a product manager from where I am? Mm-hmm. The question you want to then go is seek out problems and companies that have problems that you think you can help solve, right? As a product manager. And then, you know, that's, I think that's maybe one of the ways to, to think about this. And so, for example, maybe in a company like my previous company where, you know, our, our, the problem space that we were in is how do we deliver groceries 100% on time, uh, 100%, which means everything that a user, get, they, they get it and we deliver it on, on time. If you are able to then, you know, understand what it takes to solve that problem from the operational side, Right, even though you don't have an operational background, you can break down the process of, of doing that and you can see where the you know the gaps is is in terms of fulfilling that that, that service and then understanding how to build the tools and, 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 and you know um, articulate what the tools would be and everything else, then it doesn't matter your, your background. So maybe your functional skill would be are you able to you know abstract problems, are you able to break down problems into its its pieces, are you able to see where the the issues are, are is that a function I mean, but as a hiring manager if I came to you and said look Isaac you have a problem right short bank has this problem right and I think I can solve it and you look at my CV and it's like real estate agent right and you're like hey Isaac I can solve this problem will you even give me an interview I, 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 I think that's one of the reasons why people do portfolios yeah. or do build stuff on the side yeah uh, okay, okay, so yeah. here's the thing I've I, I totally agree with what you're saying that it's it might be difficult for someone who is not even in an industry that's adjacent to yeah. tech to want to come into the product manager role. Uh, two questions. One is again goes back to my first point on self-realization. Um, why do you want to be a product manager? Is it because you want to solve problems or because it sounds cool? <laughs> right. Um, either way. If you do want to be a product manager, you'll never go wrong with starting to build stuff. And yes, internships might be not always available at the biggest companies or the companies that you know of. But there's always something to be built. Um, if you, in your real estate example, maybe there's a scheduler she wants to build for herself or a booking form that her people, like whoever she's showing houses to can, you know, uh, can book her time or book a slot to do an open house. There's always some problem that needs to be solved. And I don't think building anything... So I don't want to build it, right? So uh, when you pick up a, like an engineering... The, 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 the harsh answer is yes. Yeah. You've got to learn the skills to build. Because... Product management is not just about going to a company and then building things. Sometimes you also need to learn to buy things. Yeah. And sometimes you need to learn to stitch the things that you bought together yeah. or the things that you bought and built yeah. together. And today, right, with, you know, I think there was a Y Combinator uh, post recently that showed some guy, I think, managed to clone uh, uh, Angry Birds using yeah. ChatGPT, uh, helping, uh, and obviously yeah. the, the individual had to make some edits to the code, but was able to do it fairly quick. And then there's also no code tools out there where, mm-hmm. it, actually, it's so interesting that you use the real estate example. Um, I, I recently have a, a friend who was sharing with me how she's in operations role mm-hmm. and, and she was helping one of her clients uh, build a, a content management system mm-hmm. or, 
and, and it was using a no-code too and it's mm -hmm. like she has no um, engineering background yeah. but she was doing product management yeah. in, in, from my perspective because there was a problem needed to be solved. She built mm -hmm. a product using no-code tools that helped solve the problem mm -hmm. and no engineers was involved, no designers, it was just herself. And so it may seem a little bit harsh but you got to figure out yeah. how to build things. Uh, especially if you're, you're trying to break into the industry because that's the best way to show folks yes. that you can be a product manager. That's, that's true, right? Because think about it. Why does tech or product exist anyway? So let's say you have a shop, right? Mm -hmm. And you're only selling one thing to 10 people. You don't need any product. You can just do it with a pen and a paper, right? You order the 10 things, sell, have a profit and loss on your, on your page, right? Maybe when you have a lot more things to sell and a lot more people, you can do it on an Excel sheet right mm -hmm. if you have two shops sure maybe you have google sheets because you use the same google sheet the only time you need a product and a tech team is when you want to scale to a level where the same resource can do a hundred x things mm -hmm. right uh, so to that point i think product management is not just you know building features it's about solving a problem is there a problem that needs to be solved how can you solve it you could maybe solve it like you said with no code at all just like stitching some stuff together right or you could just solve it by throwing people at it but as long as you know how to solve a problem then it's just a matter of taking that problem and adding more scale to it like can i solve this problem for a hundred more people at the same cost Ah, okay, maybe I need to build something here. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's actually quite a, one of the better better answers that I've heard. I think a lot of people do struggle and they don't know how to get it. But yeah, it makes sense to find a problem, then try it on your own, right? Get get something done and put it in your CV, right? At least better than say, I tried or I watched a podcast on product or I watched this podcast. That's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah, so that's like I mean, pretty good advice. I mean, do you have anything to add on on that or...? I mean, at the risk of rambling, I'll, I'll, the reason I bring this up is because there's this common interview question, right? Which is, it, don't really like it too much, but you know, it has its merits. Which is, uh, how would you design an alarm clock for blind people? Uh, so there you can have a person who's always prepared from a book versus a person who's actually built stuff. and the there'll be a very key thing that'll be different between the two because a person who who's built stuff would also talk about the color of paint you use because you know different paints cost different right, right? Uh, would probably talk about the material you use are you doing like plastic or are you doing like a metal mold because again the, like it, building things has a lot of nuances right and unless you unless you have built stuff in your life whenever you come to a problem like this right you'd always go like sure i have a voice enabled alarm clock and you go to the cool features but the actual build comes in okay wait is it like battery powered or is it like plug-in right who does the setup is the setup happening at the store or is the setup happening at home right is it am i getting stuff painted in china um, if so, does the color really matter or can I just use the cheapest color? Yeah. That is not poisonous, hopefully. But, you know, like, it, there's, there's always... That's, I think that's the difference between a good and a mm -hmm. great PM. Where 
a great pms actually build stuff before so they go into the actual problems the real world problems and don't get always distracted by the shimmer yeah and to conclude what is your was your conclusion of this conversation or what separates a good from a normal pm oh. <laughs> is there a long debate about this so a whole long question is this this i think i mean the standard answer is right like you got to be obsessed with the details mm-hmm. you know you got to have to have empathy towards your users but like I think there's no substitute for having actually being someone who creates things. I think the the best product managers are the kinds that that they create things or, or or and or build things. It's it's not always the same thing. Like I think um there is a product manager someone that I know that I consider a great product manager but they don't actually like build apps or anything else but in their their free time you know that they're obsessed with creating something mm. and 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 this particular case that uh I I'm thinking about is you know just caring about being a good chef right being good at cooking knowing the equipment that is necessary to cook different type of meat or mm. meat in different style or whatever and you know outside of work that person doesn't do anything but yeah. really just cares about how to cook the best meat. right being, I think that's creation right mm. in a sense and i think if you have that kind of personality and everything else those those translate into what makes a a, a great product manager but it's one of those things where you know the role is so multidimensional that okay. you risk you know being giving such a trite answer like yeah. oh, you must be obsessed with the problem like <laughs> many people are obsessed. <laughs> i've spoken about this topic and this question a couple of times and the answer is never the same like trust mm-hmm. me like i've never gotten the same answer once which is why people love to listen to product podcasts honestly like we do have a lot of listeners for product just because they want to know and there's no right answer to any of these questions it's more of your experience and where you're at right so yeah i mean anything else to add on i mean you you've recruited a lot Mm-hmm. What what's the common theme you see in the people you've placed done? Can I get any question? Okay, so I mean, I have I don't I'm not a product manager, but I've been mm-hmm. a product recruiter for about three years now. Mm-hmm. When I started, I thought it was all about the CV and what they had written there. And when I, after a year or two years now, I realized that is not even the case. I think what I normally ask them is to tell me about their current role, right? What is their value add to the team, right? And the way they describe their product and what they have solved is super important. Because then like just that first 3 minutes of what they talk about their current role, right? You can just see how passionate they are about it. And the truth is, right, that the good product managers not many of them are looking out. A lot of them I had to go in and be like, "Hey, here's a better problem for you to solve. Like what do you think?" And normally they're very bought into ideas. None of them ever ask me, oh, "Okay, what's this budget like?" None. Like when you reach a certain level of like seniority, they always like, "What is the value add of my my role, right? What am I trying to solve?" And normally when I say, "Oh, just to enhance the product," they now they're not too keen. Mm-hmm. When you go like, "Oh, okay, this is the problem. They now need to do this or or kind of re enhance this because of this reason," and they're like, "Oh, so building something from scratch like you guys said, now making the connection." They just really like to build things like. from scratch or something that impacts right and they always ask me like I want to be in a position where I make a big impact or I can make something that I call my own right and that impacts things and I think it took me a while to realize that like 
you look at the CV, okay, a couple of good, good um, or good companies there. But when you ask them what they built, if they say like part of a team that did this or like I helped to do this, like mm. not the best answer. So that you know, um, but when they say like, oh yeah, like I I found the problem, the issue, the gap, you know, found out what it was, you know, ideated the prototype, failed, did that again. That's why it took so long, and now we got here, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not looking to move, but like, what do you have? What what yeah. what opportunities do you have? Right? They always ask me that, and they're only bought in if it's a it's a it's a more interesting idea, right? And that's why I think makes a good product manager in terms of you know. What they do, like when you're talking about, you know, some like writing documents and stuff, I would never know mm-hmm. that because I'm not a product manager. They could give me all the stuff that they have done and I would never know. But I think mm-hmm. it's really about the way you read people as a recruiter for product. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like the way you talk about your product, I really know whether you do anything, right? And also, like, I also talk to everyone else in your team, so I know if you're lying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but mainly because of that, right? When they tell me, like, when it, the questions they ask me about the role, that's what I realized, and also when they tell me about their products that they have built, that's when I realized that that set them up apart. Yeah, of course, that's me as a recruiter, right? No, no, that's, that's interesting because again, like you touched upon, it's about it's about are they interested in solving a problem? Yeah. So, so in conclusion, right? We rambled on it, and literally, like I didn't ask any of the questions because we just slowly covered them one by one. But I think when we reached the end, I think we realized that just a good PM just like solving problems, right? Am of I course. Right? I mean, like, there's a lot of good books, a good good uh, frameworks, um, good practices to become better uh, once you yeah. are in the job to upskill yourself. But I think yeah. Yeah, so solving a problem. Yeah, guys, so I think like that's all the time we have for today. I know we rambled on a bit and we covered all the questions without even me asking any of the questions, which is great. But like super incredible and insightful discussion on how to excel as a product manager. I think once again I want to thank you guys, Isaac and Protic, for joining us and shedding light on the intricacies of beca- of leveling up as a product manager. And of course, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, that's a wrap for this episode of the Evolution Exchange. And join us next time as we explore more captivating topics in this ever-evolving world of product management. And until then, stay inspired and keep innovating. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye!